This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Are the films from the 1980s reboot-proof? No need to remake this episode. We've got the answer. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and joining me, as always, is my good buddy, Ray. What's up, dude? Howdy. Oh, did you did you mean did you say howdy on purpose for any particular reason? No. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I say that because also joining us uh, is our guest today, who may hail from the south if he doesn't mind me saying that. Um, but joining us is a YouTuber. He's the host of the Retro Crunch channel on YouTube, which is a great source of news about current pop culture, movies, music, and games connected to all things from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And not only does he report the news about our uh, favorite bits of nostalgia, he also collects memorabilia, stockpiling toys, books, other items from our beloved past. Please welcome to the show, Scott. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing pretty good. And uh, actually, I am from Texas, so saying howdy is actually a pretty inviting uh, way to uh, invite (laughs) me on the show. (laughs) <laughs> Ray didn't even know how friendly he is. No, nope, he was. I had no right. idea. Hey, and before we get on with the show, please remember to like, share, subscribe, review, and rate our podcast, our Facebook page. All those good things uh, help us continue to grow the show. Okay, so in a little bit later, we're gonna the two of us and Scott, so the three of us are gonna be talking about reboots, remakes, uh, those that worked and those that failed, and those that threatened to ruin our childhood, or did they, or do they, or can they? Uh, but before all that, let's get caught up on '80s news. Okay, so a few stories. Uh, one, I'm just gonna let's just get to this one right away because it's a little bit. Um, it's not as neatly tied to our overall topic today as the others, but. Um, uh, have you heard the news? It's been coming for years now, but it seems like we finally may get to buy our own DeLorean. You I, I've heard this. Yeah. So it, what I thought was interesting is, is if, if you've, and I, Scott may have talked about this on his show even, because I, it's been, they've been threatening this for since 2016 uh, to, I shouldn't say threatened because it seems it's kind of awesome news. Um, but what I learned was, is they ran into a problems having uh, the, the, the cars come out because of a, a legal thing, which isn't as interesting as time travel. But um, in 2016, uh, there was a certain law that um, the, the history, the, um, what was going to happen with it was sort of up in the air. So they had to put production on hold because they're only going to produce a few, few of these cars. And it turns out if you produce fewer than 325 cars, you can disregard certain safety regulations. Oh, man, I like that. <laughs> uh, that's actually pretty interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. So this is what the holdup was is because DeLorean said, hey, we're, we're going to produce far fewer than that. So they had to wait for this law to, uh, I guess, you know, settle down and come through. So now it's, it, they have the opportunity to move forward. So we have our chance to buy a potentially uh, dangerous uh, car with gullwing doors for a price tag of around $100,000. I'm out. <laughs> that was fast. <laughs> it would, would it be, all right, let's say it was affordable. Oh, if it was like $15,000, i would buy one. Yeah. What, yeah. about, what about the danger possibility of it being no airbags or something? Some of the cars I drove as a teenager were... Very dangerous. So. I see. So real back, a real throwback to the 80s then. Yeah. <laughs> Scott, you interested in driving a DeLorean? I am, but um, I've, I've heard a little bit about the price tag on these new yep. DeLoreans that they're looking at uh, putting out. Uh, so that alone kind of uh, makes me a little less interested in it. But I know that the DeLorean in the 80s was also expensive at the time, and it was very dangerous. And this one, I don't know. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. So it sounds authentic then, yeah. Mm-hmm. I do note that they said under the hood, the car could pack a 350-horsepower engine, whereas the original only had 130 horsepower. I don't know. Jeez, it sounds like you could time travel. Can it get to 88 miles an hour? In three seconds or something yeah, like that. That's all you need. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Okay, in other 80s news, hey, check this out. Did you folks hear about this? Lethal Weapon 5 is finally set to happen, at least according to the producer. 
uh, we, we, the Hollywood Reporter is reporting that Dan Lin, uh, who produced the Lethal Weapon TV series, in addition to uh, some other films, including the, the Lego movie, said that um, they're ready to go. They're trying to make the, quote, last Lethal Weapon movie. They've got a story that's very personal to Richard Donner and the cast. Uh, and everybody's coming back. Um, Mel Gibson's people confirmed he's on board. Danny Glover's folks were yet to respond. But it seems like uh, they are, you know, he's in Dan Lin, when he tells this story to Hollywood Reporter, knocked on wood and said he doesn't want to jinx it because hmm. they've been trying to do this for a few years now. Do we, are we looking forward to octogenarian buddy cop film? Yeah. Because I want to hear him go, I'm way too old for this shit. <laughs> I, I feel the same way about it. One thing that um, I'm kind of wondering is if it's going to be more along the lines of something like grumpier old man or uh, <laughs> <laughs> like two retired cops living next door to each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, the, you remind me that uh, Danny Glover, I, I had looked this up because my wife and I during Christmas were binging the Lethal Weapon films. Um, and I had to look it up because Danny Glover is set to turn 50, I think, in the first film, is, is the character. But yeah. Danny Glover, I think, was 44 when he played that part, something like that. Because he was younger than Ray and I are. I'm not sure mm-hmm. how old you are, Scott. But Ray and I are older than that. We're closer to 50. So, yeah, now, I guess, theory, theoretically, I don't know how old he, Danny Glover must be, what, now? In his 70s? I guess, yeah, right? doing the math, he would be, I don't know, 73? And then he'd have to be play a guy in his 80s. If we had an intern, they could look that up for us. So I thought I was kidding about them being octogenarians, but I'm for Scott's version, the grumpy old men. Yeah, kind of like an odd couple, grumpy old men thing. Yeah, I, I, That could be awesome. I was actually kind of uh, thinking about this whenever I heard about the news as well, because uh, I was wondering if it would actually be something like grumpy old men where these guys live maybe in an, I don't know, a retirement home or something, <laughs> and then a crime happens in the area and they have to come out of retirement to solve the crime and they get into their hijinks in the meantime. <laughs> and it's just a crime in the nursing home. Like it doesn't affect the larger city or anything. <laughs> It's like someone's stealing someone's pills. <laughs> or it could be a drug dealer or a drug runner, and I guess in a nursing home even. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Huh. yeah. It'd be great if they could have other 80s retired cops in this nursing home. <laughs> you know, like who, who else could be in there? What would be another 80s? Uh, well, well, let's just go the Expendables route and get everyone. Everybody. But you had to be a cop. So I guess we could have, you know, I guess, you know, we could have John McClane in there. Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash. Yeah. All right. That'd be good. Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> He's all rusted like the Tin Man in Wizard of Oz. <laughs> Oil can. Okay, hey, and this is this was the most exciting thing to me, I, I think. Yes and no, asterisk. Uh, speaking of reboots, um, you may have heard, I'm sure you have heard, that uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids has been having a reboot, reboot in the works now for some time. The last we heard in at the end of last year, uh, Josh Gad was set to, uh, I think, play the son of uh, Wayne Zielinski from the original, from the Rick Moranis character. And um, most recently, though, we have a story from the Disney Insider now that says they have exclusive news that Rick Moranis himself is being talked out of retirement by Disney to come back and play Wayne Zielinski. Well, you know what this is? It's the slide the cash across the table move. Yeah, I guess. I mean, they haven't been able to slide enough cash to get him out of retirement for 20 years now, though. I would love to see what that pile of cash looks like. They're sliding (laughs) at him. They had to shrink it. (laughs) I mean, literally, it says, honey, I shrunk the money, just like I slided at Rick Moranis. So I can put it in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I wish, the the reason I say asterisk, this is good news, is because I wish they could have talked him out of retirement for Ghostbusters. It seems like he's not going to be in the sequel. We don't know yet. I don't know. Do do you have any... feelings about yes, that? Um, actually, um, I, I, I am pretty sure that he is not going to be in the uh, the sequel for Ghostbusters. But I mean, this is uh, going back to Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This is, um, you know, 30 years after the original series. And with um, I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure how I feel about this. Um, it's a legacy sequel, which um, most people might know what that is, but it's mm-hmm. basically told in the same universe as the original movies. Okay. I'm hoping that they stick with um, the the lore and the way that um, the ending of the, the second movie happened. But um, I'm really not sure what to think about this yet, as long as they um, stick to canon. Um I, I'm sure it'll be a transition or, or uh, you know, handing of the torch to the next group of actors that are going to um, follow with the franchise. But I'm not sure what's going to end up happening with it. The news is still really early. Yeah. Um, I heard that the name of it's actually going to be called Shrunk. 
Hmm. So I don't even think they're sticking with the uh, original uh, style of, or naming convention that they use. So right. still more to come on that one. And you said more the, the, the second second movie. So I lost track. I know they sh- they shrunk the kids. They shrunk themselves at some point. They blew blew them up. Oh, they blew. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So what was the second film? You said that you know is there, was there some momentous uh, I guess ending to it that was uh, important to continue. From? Not really. I think more my concern is just sticking with canon for uh, for these movies, and it's not just like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids that series. It's in general. I I think it's disingenuous whenever you have a. Um, a, a group of people that aren't paying proper tribute to a franchise. And I'm hoping that, um, you know, less about the story itself, but more just about uh, sticking with canon and sticking with uh, the lore of the show or of the movies. I think me and Scott are on the same page with that yeah. opinion right there. Yeah. And I think that's a nice segue into what we want to talk about today, mm-hmm. reboots more generally. So let's say that was 80s news. Dun, 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 dun. Ack. So today we're going to be talking about reboots, remakes, uh, and we're talking, so okay, to be more specific, we're going to be talking about 1980s films that were rebooted, remade. Maybe we need to talk about what those distinctions were. I knew you raised a question too, Scott, uh, when we were talking about reboots, remakes, and I think there was something else you mentioned. Could it be uh, something else? Reboot, remake? Hmm. Oh, well, revivals. Revival, um, was that it was? Uh, um yeah. So, and the question is going to be, uh, which ones worked, which ones didn't work, and which ones, I mean, we're never going to see it, because just from the trailer alone, we can tell this thing is probably terrible. Before we do that, I wanted mm-hmm. to talk to you guys generally about this idea, because I was I'm fascinated about, by, and I'm sure uh, we're going to touch upon some of these films, but as you guys know, on occasion, a film comes out that, where the critics, even before the movie's in theaters, they're, 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 they're you know... Uh, saying that the film is the new film is going to ruin their childhood. And, uh, you know, we heard this, uh, this call when uh, the Ghostbusters movie came out a few years ago. And so I was digging into this phenomenon. Like, we, we've talked about in our show nostalgia and some other psychological phenomenon that may play into why we love the things we love from our childhoods. But I was wondering, is there really a way you can incept yourself from something new and affect your old, you know, memories or feelings about something? And just in brief... I found this uh, article by a gentleman named Dean, Dean Burnett, who, who also wrote a book called uh, The Idiot Brain, which is interesting, and you guys should check that out. But um, he talked about a couple of different things. I wanted to get your feelings on whether or not you agree. And some things I thought were interesting because for Scott's show and for our show, you know, it's maybe an interesting, uh, I don't know, critique maybe. So there's something, a couple of phenomena going to play in this idea of what we like as kids and how it may be affected or not, or we may feel threatened. One called the remin- rem- reminiscence bump. Where they say, psychologists say that in early childhood is when we're things are more mem- are, are vivid to us because you know we're still those sponges taking up all these memories and so they're more vivid to us. They talk about how um, you know th- that ties into nostalgia too, you know, because we have those sort of very visceral memories of those periods of time. But that nostalgia itself and this reminiscence bump can be too powerful in some ways, leading people to think that things are worse now than they were in the past. Is that where we're at? Is that is that why we're stuck on these things? Do we think that things are just bad now compared to how they were? Just filmmaking. Just filmmaking is bad compared to yeah. how it was? And I thought this was interesting. It said that um, new studies show that older you get, the more likely you are to remember positive elements than negative ones from your youth, right? That's no surprise. But it yeah. says, you know, whereas older people may have memories of war and think those were good, good old days, the war, um, younger generations, and that's us, even though we're older now, say that we, we, we look back to films and TV of our youth. So um, no surprises there. Another thing they talked about how we may feel threatened is this idea of a, a sense of control. So when you have a franchise as kids that ended, so Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, you know, which started in 89 or uh, something else, you know, um, Star Wars, which we thought concluded in the 80s, for example, um, Ghostbusters, which we thought concluded in the 80s. When it's finite, we have a sense of ownership and control over it and comfort because we, knew, we know how it ended. So when someone says we're going to make a new one, we may just feel threatened like, well, that's not... I don't have that. That's out of my control or my, you know. I only dislike when they say they're going to do a reboot. If they've said they're going to do a sequel, I'm fine with that. Hmm. I'm perfectly fine if they're going to continue the story. I hate when they reboot. It drives me nuts. So, Ray, why, why do you not like uh, whenever they do reboots? Because I watch them and I compare them to the original and they always, always, always try to say, hey, that scene was awesome. Let's change it. Perfect example would be the clown under the bed in Poltergeist. Oh, okay. Okay. In the 
in the remake, they did a lousy job with the clown scene. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel that a sequel, they're putting the effort in to say, hey, we're going to try and write something, mm-hmm. and we're going to do something new, and hopefully you like it. I guess provided, Whereas, like, what Scott was saying, the honor of the, what came right. before. And if they follow canon, like Scott said, and they respect the characters and the way their acting was and their whole, you know, just the whole aspect of the movie, I'm fine with that. But when they reboot, they always do this stupid, hey, what if we make it an all-female cast or an all-male cast or mm-hmm. let's, let's switch from Chicago to Hawaii for no apparent reason. Mm-hmm. That's what drives me nuts. Do you have a preference, Scott? Reboots or remakes? So um, I have. I'm I'm a little bit passionate about this now. It's not that I really like some of the reboots that come out, and probably most reboots that come out, I don't really like that much. But the the way that I feel about this is um, without the reboots, um, a lot of these franchises would uh, fall to the wayside. A lot of younger generations wouldn't even know Mm. about them. They wouldn't be relevant. They wouldn't be remembered. And with these reboots, you get more toys, you get more talk, you get even the younger generations interested in the old movies that they might have otherwise never even saw. So for those reasons alone, I think that reboots are good. Now, are the movies themselves very good? This is where it comes into, uh, you know, the bias of uh, uh, how you feel about the old movies, whether it's you enjoyed the old movies or are you nostalgic of the old movies versus uh, whether the new movies are good or are you just going to critique it because um, they're damaging or changing or replacing some of the things that you loved about the old old uh, movies. So that's right. kind of how I feel about that. It's interesting when you talked about expanding it, because I don't disagree with you. Like, you know, it's better for us maybe as a whole to have, you know, these things, uh, have more people find them. Um, But one of the things pointed out by Dean Burnett was that for some folks, it's the opposite of what you suggest. And there's a phenomenon where, you know, something that's exclusive and more scarce is more valuable to people. And when you say, I'm going to make it available to a wider audience, suddenly you feel threatened because then it's not, you know, I guess it's not mine or it's not, I guess it's like being in on a secret or, you know. Uh, I know, I think it's my daughter who says, you know, when I say to her, you know, you would, you would really like, you should read this book. She, she told me this just today. She automatically has a response like, you know what? I'm probably not going to like it then just because you told me it's special and it must not be cool. You know, but that's completely <laughs> opposite of how we were when we were younger because you had to hunt the things down. If someone recommended something, yeah. it means they were ahead of the curve on it anyways. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I wonder if it's just because we have this technology, you know, Twitter, et cetera, where it's easy to let everybody know about something. It seems less, yeah. you know, like what you're speaking, talking about. Speaking of which, um, you know, you, we talk about nostalgia all the time and the, the remakes, uh, like Scott just pointed out, bring it back into attention of everyone. What if they just re-released like uh, Poltergeist in the theater? So uh, there are companies out there that are re-releasing these movies in theaters and they're doing limited releases. And they've had uh, pretty good experiences with this. And it seems like that the turnout is 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 good. But um, I, I still feel that it's not bringing it to a wider audience of people who mm. might otherwise want to go um, – see these older movies and again it's kind of like that that drug that gets gets you hooked if you don't have a (laughs) gateway into it or if you're having to do all this research to get um interested in Mm. some of the uh the old movies that we that we love um they they might not get exposed to it otherwise by having these reboots or remakes or revivals or whatever other are you want to call it yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. There is this, I think, like, I know my dad, I grew up, he and I, most of our relationship was sitting on the couch watching movies together on TV, you know, I mean, our, our conversations today is still about movies. Um, but there are, there is this aspect of, I love, you know, Spaghetti Westerns, for example, but there's some aspect of it that is my dad's. Yeah. And if they redid, you know, uh, The Good and Bad and the Ugly, it probably wouldn't be as good, but it'd be kind of cool if it was new, because that'd be more like mine, maybe. So, Maybe to your point, Scott, yeah, you do need to, to, to expand that audience. It has to be something created within their, I guess, generation or, um, yeah, have that shiny new, it's ours. Well, I guess that would be the, the main actors then make the difference. Mm, I don't know. Well, you know, let's get into sp- some specific uh, <laughs> right. examples, probably bring home some of these uh, points. So what do you got for us? All right. I want to start with three remakes that I will never watch. <laughs> okay. There are a bunch of them. <laughs> All right. 
But I wrote down the three that I have no interest in seeing. Um, that would be Overboard, Pet Cemetery, and Child's Play. Now, let me ask you a question. Overboard. Were you interested in seeing it the first time? Loved Overboard. Okay, you do love it. Yep. Scott, how do you feel about Overboard, the original? I loved the original. Um, I thought it was very relevant at the time. Yeah. And uh, even watching it now, I I still am able to uh, enjoy it. And watching it with my family, they seem to enjoy it a lot as well. You know, it's, it just occurred to me. Look, I love Overboard. I love Kurt Russell. I love that there's two Kurt Russells. You got the Snake Plissken yeah. Kurt Russell, and then you got the Overboard Kurt Russell. They seem very, you know, he's got like those two speeds. But it's a little hard for me now to watch Overboard and not get past the kidnapping and the gaslighting, you know, I, and maybe and maybe <laughs> rape. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, yeah, I, I didn't really. I like how I said rape. rape said, Scott said it's funny. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I did <laughs> try didn't to mean it, folks. say that that's not what I was talking about. But yes. um, yeah, uh, when I've rewatched that movie and some others uh, as well, I have noticed some of these aspects that we didn't really uh, realize when we were younger watching these that <laughs> yeah. they uh, really <laughs> aren't very conducive with um, being a, a good good ethical person, someone who, <laughs> you know, should be, uh, on the up and up. And, uh, it's definitely not yes. demonstrating what we want to express to, to our kids. So <laughs> on the flip side, he did build a mini golf course. Yeah. <laughs> you, is it just that I take things to these places that you're, no, I'm just laughing to myself over here. I don't know how they dealt with it in the new movie. Now, another thing, and this is going to sound sexist, but I think we have a reputation, you know, now, Ray, of not being sexist, me not being sexist, that um, just as a test, I've never met a woman, and I've said this to women directly, I've never met a woman who doesn't love Overboard. Now, men will say, eh, I'm not interested in that. A woman, I'm right now, 100%. I might have to take this segment this, out. It sounds sexist. Now, this goes back to the theory of <laughs> Kurt Russell's a good-looking guy. If you're going to get kidnapped by somebody who wants to be your oh, husband, no. Kurt Russell's the guy to get kidnapped by. See, I, Artie Lang plays that role. <laughs> this is a totally different movie. This, this is like a hmm. Buffalo oh, Bill type no. of movie. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I like that. That's so funny. Just when I think I take stuff to a weird place... <laughs> Ray's able to like, I don't know, make a, I make a left turn, maybe makes a right turn, but he keeps turning right and somehow, okay. In any case, so yeah, then I know nothing about the remake. I know they switched the roles. Like now it's a woman who, I don't know if she kidnaps him. I don't know. Cause I don't want to see it. Okay. And you know that just cause, uh, what trailer? The trailer. Yeah. yeah. The trailer did not appeal to me. So they put that on the don't ever watch list. Okay. Have you seen that one, Scott? Yes, I have. Um, oh. I don't remember a whole lot about it because it wasn't <laughs> as memorable as the original, which is yeah. what is kind of funny about this is um, we can watch the original one, two times. And if you you remember, you guys remember uh, Will Ray, Andy where Gooley, yeah. when we would watch movies as a kid, uh, we didn't have, uh, unless you had a VCR, we didn't have a, a, the ability to constantly go back and rewatch these movies. So um, yeah. it's funny how we're able to remember a lot of aspects about the those older movies that we don't even remember today and i can watch overboard anytime i want pretty much on demand and i still can't really think of any aspects of the movie that really stood out so i thought yeah. that was kind of odd <laughs> so unmemorable so did uh, did you see pet cemetery no i have not seen pet cemetery not the new one i saw the old yeah. one yeah, so that's on your list of uh, get the hell out of here movies. <laughs> now, <laughs> hey, I will. I always try to give uh, the movies that I watch a a chance. So whether mm -hmm. I I hear bad or good press about it, I always try to watch it and make my own decision on it. But um, the you know the reviews that I've heard about Pet Cemetery, they're um, they're about fifty fifties. So I'm not real yeah. sure when I'm going to get around to watching it. The biggest thing I heard about that was it was a controversial change they made to the story. Oh. Uh, no spoilers. I guess I won't give any spoilers. But You, you um, can spoil it. I'm not going to watch it. If I recall correctly. So if you remember in the first one, it's the their son that dies, mm -hmm. and then they bring back, whose name escapes me. I think uh, it, Gage. Oh, Gage, right. So I think it's in this one, there's like a fake out, and he's not the one who dies. It's a, He has a sister who dies, and she comes back. People were like, up in arms about how dare they change, you know, which sibling or which kid dies. Hmm. I don't know if it's any good other than that. It looked pretty creepy and scary, I thought, from the trailer, but I haven't seen it. All right. Well, well let's, let's go to the ones that I thought did a good job. Okay. I'm going to give you the three that I thought 
and then there's more than three that I thought did a good job, but I picked out the three that I thought did the best at doing a remake. Okay. And Scott, if you've got any to add after, do you want to chime in? Okay. So I'm going to go with Fright Night. All right. Which I thought was a decent remake. Hmm. It's not as good as the original. Yeah. But it was entertaining. So, okay. So what is it that would make for you? I know you love the original Fright Night. Oh, I do. It's one of my favorites. So, like, what would it, how would a remake, uh, what is it about a remake that you're able to say this one's, you know, just as good and or better um, or same? It, uh, it has the same flavor. It has good acting. I don't, I don't need crap acting unless we're remaking Toxic Adventure, mm. you know. <laughs> yes. don't, don't give me crap acting or just a big name star for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. So Fright Night was good. Uh, Colin, this one was good. He's got one I don't like. Mm. Total Recall oh, is boy. garbage. Yeah. But, but um, yeah, and, that, that, and then I'm going to go with Red Dawn. Red Dawn. A lot of people don't like that one, but I thought that was a fun romp through the, the woods with that one. Okay. I didn't see that one. So what's the, and what's the spin on that one? So obviously, you know, in the first one, the Russians are coming to get us. The Russians could come to get us now. Uh, now it's, but, uh, I believe, North Korea, oh, I and see. we're in, like, Seattle. Okay. So it's a little, a little different, but, but it, was, it was fun. You know, you could eat your popcorn. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I rate movies on how many beers I have to drink to enjoy them. So <laughs> this, was a, this was a one beer movie. It was plenty good enough. This so. means he loves doing our podcast, Scott, because I do. Uh, he's, he's, good. <laughs> he's two cans in so far. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you seen either, um, what was it, Red Dawn and... Uh, Fright Night and Red Dawn. Oh, Fred, have you seen either of those, Scott? I have not seen, I haven't seen the new Fright Night movie. I have seen Red Dawn, the new one, and I thought it was okay. The thing that I really didn't like about it, and it's funny because Red Dawn, the one we watched growing up, the, uh, with Russia and, you know, the relevance of the Cold War, those things really uh, brought that, uh, that fear into you when you were watching it. And I don't think that we have that same fear of North Korea that we have had of Russia in the 80s. So because of that, I think that they really missed on an opportunity. Uh, They could have used China or they could have used Russia again. Now, if they would have used China, I thought that would have been a really good way to go with it. What bothers me is it seems now in Hollywood, they're afraid to use material or or talk about other countries that we have, um, not necessarily political, but economical ties with. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. because of that, I think that that might have been one of the uh, important factors in them not going with uh, Russia or China and and going with Korea. Because Korea, I don't think that we have any real fear of of any reprisal from them at this time. Yeah. In the movie, they really didn't show any kind of military intelligence either, so – yeah. And Scott, you're right. I've heard this before about China. I think China is the second biggest market um, or first biggest market rather outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, I'm sure you guys know this, that they'll film different takes of films because they know in China, because of their culture, they will not see a certain film that has a certain kind of scene in it. So they take mm-hmm. it out. The Marvel movies wind up having a few different versions. Um and so you're right. That's probably it. That's probably why we had North Korea, which every, I guess at the time everybody could agree was an uh, enemy. So. At the time, they were in the news, so it made sense, yeah. but, you know. I mean, it seems like, you know, any realistic attack we're going to have, now this is when the show gets political. If you want to make a movie that's more realistic, it's got to be, you know, it's, you know, it's like um, uh, that uh, Die Hard uh, sequel. Uh, mm-hmm. Which one was it? Die Hard, uh, Live Free or Die Hard. Cyber attack that shuts down power grids, and, you know, yeah. nope, there's not going to be boots on the ground. It's probably going to be just... Okay, all right. Well, I don't know why I'm talking about this. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> all all other, I know is... It's a whole other show. Red Dawn was a fun yeah. little thing. It, yeah. was, it was a good time killer, so... Okay. But my, my favorite remake um, yeah. is Evil Dead. They did a fantastic oh. job with that one. I see. And you just watched this. Because no, when we no, talked no. about Evil Dead, I thought I had... Oh, you're talking uh, about Evil uh, Dead 2. No, I'm talking about Evil Dead the remake oh, with okay. the girl. Okay, from but um, as far as the franchise goes, obviously those are some of my all-time favorite movies. The Evil Dead series, hmm. Evil Dead Two is in my top probably three movies of all time. But this one was different, but still had little things in it, like the car was in the movie. It's not a, it's not important in the movie, but it's right. in the movie as just a hey, there's this car, right. and they, I think they did a good job of making a movie that was a, a remake or a reboot, however you want to look at it, yeah. that had something different to say. So I thought it was it was different and fun right. and scary. So would you really consider it uh, a reboot? Because I've also seen it, and I, I less thought that it did a good job of um, 
of merging them together or at least making you realize that you're this is still from uh the original franchise what what did you um do you remember what you specifically thought about the new one that did remind you of the old one uh well the cabin um the book obviously the car sitting there and um just little little things they did with like the light bulb where it filled up with blood i believe um, just little things they did in that movie reminded me of how they filmed the originals. Okay. Not so much like if my daughter watched it, she would have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. For her, it would just be a scary movie that was, you know, entertaining. For me, I catch the little things, but then I see all the new stuff they did. And that's what a remake should be. It should have little clues to the original if you're going to do a remake instead of a sequel. Mm-hmm. So, and is it just for the vernacular, a remake to me sounds like a break from the past, a re boot sounds like it has the easter eggs that ties well, it to the other well, world or I, I think the other way around I, I remember i said uh, a remake is a dirty word now <laughs> so they go with reboot oh, right i i agree with that uh, analysis <laughs> i I've, I've heard the same thing so they're basically the same thing it's just mm-hmm. it's a branding thing mm-hmm. okay yeah uh, the other ones i really i kind of liked were nightmare on elm street because i like jackie jackie, jackie yep. earl haley he's one of my favorite actors because of bad news bears growing up but i really think his makeup in that movie sucked yeah um, the burn victim makeup they gave him wasn't scary. It just made me feel bad for him. <laughs> so I thought they actually did good casting with oh, it. Oh yeah, the casting and was good. I agree. Yeah, I agree that um, the makeup and and there were certain aspects like that about it that I didn't think they did a good job of. But I was really hopeful. Yeah for uh, that and that they would be able to continue on that series because I think that he made a phenomenal Freddy. Yeah, I agree. I just think the makeup sucked and it kind of ruined the character for that remake. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other one, I love Russell Brand. Right. So Hello. I watched I watched Arthur. Oh. I did. Mm. I couldn't do it. I couldn't you know get through what? it. I tried. I actually, I kind of enjoyed it. Now I'm going to make that a six beer movie, but... Hmm. <laughs> Wait, what's your scale of rating? Six beer out of what? what no, the more beer I to watch it and enjoy it is bad. Oh, I see. So that's a six beer movie. I see. So so by the end of your sixth beer, you may not be judging the quality of it very as effectively as the first beer. Correct. So, I'm judging it so I, simply on how much fun I'm having. Mm-hmm. I need to get a full breadth of uh, understanding what this beer rating system is. Uh, I mean, how many beers are we talking yeah, in total to equal a bad or a good movie? What's the uh, max? What do you max out at? All right. I, I consider a good movie a three-beer movie. If you if you can watch a movie and have one to three beers, that's a good movie. If you have to drink six beers to watch the movie, then it's, it's all right. It's it's okay. When you get past six, now you're getting into Ghostbusters reboot <laughs> oh, territory. I disagree. So <laughs> is the idea that the movie's uninteresting, so therefore you have more opportunity to drink more beer? You get bored, so you I wander see. off to the fridge again. <laughs> if you get so caught up in it, you don't realize, I haven't had a sip in a while. Right. Oh, you, okay. you actually are entertained. So that's the scale. So six beers for Arthur sounds bad. Then. <laughs> yeah, you, you also have to judge it by your tolerance. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So if your tolerance is low, you may have a, a zero beer movie. <laughs> That's all movies for me. Zero beer movie. Yeah, exactly. I, I just I find this so ironic that <laughs> you're drinking to watch Arthur, who's in the movie, drunk throughout oh, no. the whole movie. <laughs> oh no, That's terrible. Well, I, and I have to say, uh, r- between Russell and Dudley Moore, uh, I think both of them are, are really great actors, mm-hmm. and they both can play the drunk character really, really well. Yes. You know, this makes me think that maybe there could be a scale of kidnapping. Where you really enjoy uh, Overboard if you were kidnapped. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and forced to watch Overboard. Going with, with what Scott said about the drinking and the alcoholism. In the That's true. Oh, I don't know. Um, I couldn't get through it. It was fine. But I don't think it's had to do with my love of the original so much as I thought. I didn't think it was very good. It's not very good. But it was still, I made it through the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, and that's only because I love, I love Russell Brand. Yeah. Get Him to the Greeks, one of my favorite movies. Um. He's good. I like him. And it, without him in that movie, I don't make it past 10 minutes. Yeah. I do like Russell Brand. I agree. So I got three movies that I consider to be mm-hmm. the worst remakes, and I sat through them. And these are the ones. These are 12-beer movies. <laughs> these are horrible. Are you awake at the end of the 12 beers? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So uh, I'm, we're going to start off with RoboCop. Okay. This was a big pile of poop. Yeah, I... Uh, 
I skipped through it. Like I watched this, then I fast forward to something else cool about it and <laughs> would watch that. You know, most of the like uh, action scenes are showing the tech and stuff like that. It just didn't have the same flavor though. Yeah. Did what, you, what do you think, Scott? Um, I didn't really like it that much. I didn't really um, feel like that it, it was uh, very well thought out the way that they did it. Um, one of the things that – so I'm, I'm a real big proponent for um, sticking with canon and making sure that um, whenever you do a movie that it's recognizable to the, the older and newer audience. And I just – I didn't really feel like they did a really good job with that. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't really enjoy it very much for that reason. Yeah, me either. So – um, the next one I'm going to point out is one thing about RoboCop too, is we still don't know. We may be getting a Peter Weller, uh, sequel, right? I mean, the last we heard was, well, Neil Blomkamp who did uh, district nine and that other movie that wasn't Elysium, I think it was Elysium. Mm-hmm. Um, he left and then they got a new director, Abe Forsyth, I think his name, he directed little monsters. Um, I don't remember where we're at in the Peter Weller, uh, camp. I know Peter Weller did that KFC commercial. Do you remember that? He did, uh, he was the colonel yes. in one of them. <laughs> oh, that's he right. he yes. played Robocop. It was awesome. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to say whether he was really in the suit or he just did the voice, but, um, they could just do that now with this reboot. I'm hopeful that they do bring it back. The last we heard is it's still on track. I think even with Peter Weller as a good possibility of being on it. Do you have, do you know, have any other information about that, Scott? I don't have any new information about it. I, I am aware that they are looking at doing the remake, remake, um, or I'm sorry, the uh, revival. Um, I do have an interesting fact about RoboCop, though. Um, it, did you know that for the original RoboCop series that, or the the movie series that, whenever they were filming RoboCop uh, in the vehicle, he never actually had on his RoboCop uniform from the waist down because he couldn't uh, get into the vehicle. <laughs> uh, yeah, that makes sense. He's yeah. like a he's like so a they newscaster. Always him either uh, just getting out of the vehicle or just getting in in the vehicle, or when he was in the vehicle, he didn't have his pants oh, on. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Now I can think of there's always that shot with he has one leg yeah, inside he's the like car stepping and one on out the street or you know? stepping in, but he never. <laughs> yes. Oh, of course. That makes nice. sense. <laughs> All right. The next one is Karate Kid. Okay. Not even Jackie Chan could save oh. the reboot of that. I liked it, actually. Did you really? I, yes, I did. You're suggesting I might be lying about it. I think you're name. lying. No. I really do. I did enjoy it. Mm. And I will tell you something only to you guys, and this is, this is disappointing. Mm-hmm. This is where I failed as a father. The first Karate Kid my kids saw... The Jackie Chan one. Uh, That's a, you set him up for failure uh, early. No. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> yeah. terrible. Yeah, they, they, you know, they, yeah. Wow. I agree. But well, uh, I like the movie as well. Um, what, yeah. what bothered me about it was some of the very important aspects of it. Of It's called The Karate Kid. Yeah. And, oh, yep. you know, <laughs> it's a Chinese man yes. who is his master. So those are the kind of things that turned me off right from the beginning about it. But I don't know. What do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, and, and so much of the original was about the Japanese culture and, you know, what Mr. Miyagi brought from uh, Okinawa in the sequel, too. So, yeah, that, that did, I do recall that bothering me at the time. Yeah, I guess that was the only, in that sense, uh, well, I guess if they rebranded it, then, yeah, they would have some other problems. But, um, yeah, I don't remember in the film, does he ever talk about he's teaching him karate? Hmm. I'm wondering if they went that far to even just lie about that. Uh, uh, I don't know. But you're right, that did bug me too. Um, otherwise, other, I enjoyed the movie though. Other than that, I thought it was pretty cool. I did not. I, <laughs> and that's all? He, I want to hear about this. <laughs> how many beers uh, are we talking? <laughs> uh, I think th- this one's actually weird because this is... Uh, this is on a, a different kind of thing. This is when you were into wine, briefly. Yeah, well, I do enjoy wine. I had wine this morning. It's good. Um, so <laughs> this is one of those movies that I had to watch in sections. Hmm. I watched half of it. I said, no, oh. I'm done. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And then I said, well, now I got to know how it ends. Hmm. So I came back and watched the ending. And I said, no, I should have just left it the way it was. <laughs> Never Garbage. Garbage. Can't get that time do, back. Do you feel, you remind me, I was, I was talking to my dad about this recently. I wasn't kidding when I said we mostly bond about movies. It seems like my dad's like that. If he starts a movie, he, he was telling me the other day, I watched it, he found this some Western on Hulu or something. He said, I watched it. I'm watching him like 20 minutes in. It's terrible. So I just turn it off. By that night, yeah. he goes back and he's like, I'll watch the rest of it. I mean, why would you, you don't have that time. Time is the most precious commodity here. I, I can walk away from a movie. I see it five, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half hour. 
I remember walking out of one movie. It was in the 90s. It was, um, what's his name, who played the Highlander? Uh, Christopher Lambert. He was in a movie. It was like a prison fortress, I think it's called. 20 minutes into the movie, I left. I've never left a movie at theater ever. <laughs> but I don't have to see the whole movie. So uh, I never felt that way. Scott, do you have to see a whole movie even if it stinks? Well, maybe for your work you do. Um, I don't. I don't always do that or I'll, I'll skim through a movie, but I have actually one movie that I actually walked out of. And in hindsight, I really do actually enjoy this movie. <laughs> it's, um, um, gold member. Do y'all remember uh, that yeah, one? Yeah. Yeah. I love gold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So that's the only one that I actually walked out of. And after watching it again, I actually enjoy it. So then you, um, Austin Powers. So you walked yeah. out of it and then gold, you went, yeah, gold. you went up, wound up seeing it at home then when it was out on uh, DVD or something. Right. So I, I walked out about probably about a third the way in. And then uh, probably a year or so later, I ended up watching it again. And I was like, man, I actually kind of <laughs> like this movie. I don't know why I walked out of the theater. But it might have been just one part of it that I was just like, oh, this is ridiculous. That's, uh, that's but, me with Avatar. I fell asleep in the theater watching Avatar. Yeah. I did. I fell mm-hmm. asleep. And now I kind of like it because it's goofy, stupid fun. Hmm. Do, yeah. So do you have to watch a movie, Ray, if it's no matter what? Even if it stinks? No, absolutely not. But if I'm curious, I'll go back. Okay. So you can't do your beer scale on this one because you watched Correct. it over. And the next one, I can't do it either. Okay. This I consider the worst remake of all time, which mm-hmm. you already know what I'm going to uh, say. I know what you're going to say. It's Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. I had to, it took me four tries to get through this one. Okay. I will reserve my comments uh, for now. <laughs> Scott, um, what are your feelings about Ghostbusters? Okay, so one of the things that I judge a reboot on is can it stand on its own legs if it weren't a reboot? And um, I think that there's a lot of disjointedness in this movie. I think that the uh, they didn't elaborate or go into detail on some of the the people. It's like in the original Ghostbusters movie, you were able to fall in love with the characters. Yeah. There was a lot of detail to them. You understood them. You fell for them. And I felt that it was a little too campy in the new one, and they didn't do a very good job of that. Um, and like I said, if a movie can stand on its own, even if it is a reboot – without taking in the fact that it's being made on uh, previous material, I think that's really important to uh, make a decision. And I don't think it did a very good job of that. Hmm. See? Well, (laughs) you know what, Scott? I'll take you at your word. I believe you. But I'm going to read something to Ray. Um, This is, again, from this article by Dean Burnett talking about, you know, uh, how people Hmm. claim movies can affect their childhood. All I know is is, I'm woke as the next guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He's trying to preempt me here. Okay. So oh, this is talking about how people were unhappy for the Ghostbusters. They said, uh, you know, uh, do, 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 do. there are a few explanations for this, from a general disgruntlement with excessive Hollywood reboots to the whole Ghostbusters aspect being a feeble cover for what is basically an enraged anti-feminism backlash. See how I did that? Yeah. Mm. It seems like, it does seem like, you know, look, the gentleman that we're talking to now, we're all feminists here, but that a good portion of folks were just mad that there were women doing it. I don't, Scott's criticism had nothing to do with the gender of the folks. my criticism has nothing to do with that either. I just think the story was poorly written. I thought they acted horribly. They never developed the characters. Do either of you like other Paul Feig films? What do you do? (laughs) Uh, Bridesmaids is a big one. Haven't seen it. Okay. Um, Are you a Paul Feig fan otherwise, Scott? I did like Bridesmaids. I think you know, in, in thinking about Paul Feig, because I liked, I did like Bridesmaids. It, it it did seem that to your earlier point, Scott, about the campiness of it. It did feel un Ghostbusters like, I suppose, because of Paul Feig seems to do have a lot of like comedic bits. Like here's a chunk. This is a funny, you know, physical comedy aspect, and it's not connected to the story. Whereas Ghostbusters, what happened and what was funny about it was very integrated in the plot. You know, uh, in Ghost in the in the reboot, you know, it was just like let's have a funny segment about them. You know, how can we make Melissa McCarthy look really ridiculous testing out different weapons? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's great at it, but it didn't feel like it fit necessarily. It, yeah, uh, well, my suggestion to anyone who wants to make a reboot or a remake: find a B movie. Don't mm-hmm. pick one of the biggest movies of all time and go. I'm going to redo Ghostbusters. Right. I'm going to redo Conan the Barbarian. Yep. You know, stop picking like really memorable movies. Right. Pick something like The Toxic Avenger. Yeah. Earth Girls Are Easy. Yeah. Earth Girls Are Easy. <laughs> I mean, there's, yeah, there's thousands lots, and sure. thousands of B movies that, if given a big budget, you could change and make amazing. Yeah. 
Well, I, I, I like the movie. It was just, it's, you know, it's... Well, you're woker than I am. <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. You know, uh, you know um, and um, my kids, they love all the Ghostbusters. And they recently, my youngest daughter actually watched them in order. You know, one, mm-hmm. two, and then the 2016 version. She loved all of them. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. Now, to your point, though, maybe we, you know, I think we have a few minutes left yeah, still, we right? Do. To talk about your, this idea about take a bad movie and make it good. Mm-hmm. You had mentioned to me earlier that um, there's some films that are, you know, predate the 80s that had remakes in the 80s ah, that yes. were awesome. Um, the Thing is the big one. Yeah. The, the Thing is a, a masterpiece. So the original film was a 1950, I think it was 1955 maybe? Yeah, it it's was, actually the first time they set a person on fire right. in a movie oh, was yeah. in the original Thing from Outer Space. The thing, so the original is Thing from Outer Space. And mm-hmm. as we talked about on a couple episodes ago, if not the last episode, they're both based on this book, which is, uh, oh, wow, it's escaping me now. What? Uh, the, the book they're based on. We know the... Uh, oh, yeah. And they got the extra stuff. Right. They've got, a, they've got another version of the thing coming out, which based on more found material from this book. But yeah, I agree. Love the thing. And but I've seen the old one too. We but, also have The Fly. The Fly. All they the, took a, a B movie uh-huh. and made it awesome with Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. That movie's great. That's how you do a remake. Right. Yeah. You were, yes, you were right on on that one. I love the remake of that. Yeah. And would you, Scott, we talked about this on a, during Halloween. Would you consider The Fly a horror movie, the new, the Jeff Goldblum one? Yeah, I think I would. Um, I, especially at the time. Um, it's, mm-hmm. I don't think it's as scary to me now as it, as it was then. But yeah, I think I would. Yeah. And I, I'm going to throw the blob in there. The Blob's one of my favorite. I put that number two all time. The and original that, Blob. No, you've you're, but the remake was good. You're establishing the formula, though, right? You need a the article the, mm-hmm. and you need a noun, and then whatever movie well, that is, you remake your success. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna the break. Thing. I'm okay. gonna break that. Well, hang on. Theory. Pause on the Blob. I love the Blob right. too. Fantastic. What do you got? Kevin Dillon. Horrifying special uh, effects. What's, what's the other one? Uh, Matt Dillon's one? brother Kevin. No, the, the girl. Oh, Shawnee uh, Smith. Shawnee Smith. Yeah. Practical special effects, horrifying because they mm-hmm. are practical. I, st- I still have that image stuck on my head of, <laughs> was it him? Is it him who's in the, is in the blob and he's like reaching out for her or something? And you oh, see yeah. Him, you can see him inside the blob, but yeah. breathing and just being, oh, it's terrifying. Yeah, that's a great one. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears and I'm going to go Little Shop of Horrors. Yes. And once yeah. again, an amazing remake. Right. And Little Shop of Horrors, it, yeah, that's a little bit of a curveball only because, so you're right, you're referring to the fact that it was a, an old film that wasn't mm-hmm. a musical um, that actually had Jack Nicholson in a very small yes. role, in the Bill Murray role. Yep. Um, but then it's made into a musical off-Broadway. Written by Alan Menken, who's one of the most accomplished musical uh, theater composers of all time, modern, right? He's written mm-hmm. most of the well-known, successful Disney movies. He wrote the music. So he wrote that, and then they adapted that into a movie. But yeah, yes. And I'm going to give you one more, and I'm going to stop. Okay. Um, and this one's a huge movie, Scarface. Scarface, yeah. Right. I had forgotten that was I there. don't know anyone who doesn't love the 80s Scarface. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't. Uh, is it? Was there a new one that was made after that? No, no. This Scarface in the eighties is a remake. Okay. Okay. I knew that. I thought that uh, you were saying there was one after that. <laughs> okay. No. No. If they remade that movie, it would suck. <laughs> they were actually going to. Yeah. Oh, I know. There's a whole list of movies they want to remake. Oh, I, sure. I'm, I'm super pissed. Like I think Goonies, Monster Squad are both on that list. I'm just like, please don't touch those. So can't re- Goonies. So, so the, yeah, so these, this list is movies made in the 80s where they improved upon a movie that was older than the 80s. Yes. And Scarface. Yeah, and the original Scarface wasn't a Colombian guy. It was like a like 1920s gangster or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it was a little different, but... Like Al Capone type era crime lord. Um, wow. So from both directions, we, you know, without even trying, right? You proved how mm-hmm. awesome the 80s is. As usual. Uh, it's hard to improve upon 80s films. Well, well let's ask Scott's opinion, though. Yeah. Uh, Scott, um, 80s remakes compared to modern remakes, who does it better? That's a very good question because I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, (laughs) If you had, I'd be shocked. (laughs) You know, honestly, um, I've seen remakes that were made in the 80s and remakes that were made now, and there are some that are done pretty good. But Mm -hmm. I will say that the remakes from the 80s, um, they were bigger blockbusters. Mm -hmm. Um, I think if if you want to account for inflation, your '80s uh, remakes probably did better. Yeah, mm. thanks, Scott. <laughs> and, and you know, to your point, Ray and Scott, 
when we saw these movies in the 80s, you know, the ones you talked about, The Fly, The Thing, The Blob, well, not The Blob, The Fly and The Thing, certainly, mm-hmm. uh, Little Shop probably for a lot of people, and Scarface didn't know there was a property that existed before it. Didn't know it was a remake. Unlike today uh, I, where... I disagree. I think most of us knew... Oh, I didn't know. ...that these were remakes when we saw them in the I 80s. Did, I did not know. Whereas I think a lot of, the, like Scott pointed out, a lot of these kids, don't, they don't even know these are remakes that they're seeing. Well, I think there's so much fanfare surrounding, like, Ghostbusters, for example. Well, I'm not talking about Ghostbusters. Okay, so, I'm talking about some of the other ones, like Red Dawn. Yeah, Red Dawn's a little bit. My daughter doesn't know there's a Red Dawn yeah, movie. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so I do have to disagree with Ray on this. Yes. I believe that, <laughs> I believe that uh, nowadays that the younger generations are more aware of there being – or these being made into reboots or revivals or even a sequel than they than we were growing up because we didn't have the, the ability to um, you know go back and watch these older movies that they were actually made upon right. so just for that reason alone i i think that um nowadays that um it's they've done better uh with promoting you know the older movies by making these reboots and remakes yeah. mm. yeah. touche yeah so and my point was going to be that they stood on their own you know you could see the thing and be terrified and not yeah. know it you didn't know it was a remake it didn't matter yeah all right so I think that should do it for us, gentlemen. Um, are, you, are you ready? So, yeah. So at this point, Scott, I usually turn to Ray and ask if we've proven anything regarding the '80s, because our overall thesis is that the pop culture, independent of nostalgia, the pop culture from the '80s is still better than any other decade. It's just—it's a happy coincidence that that's what we—the <laughs> era we grew up in. So, have we proven anything? We may not have. It's okay if we didn't. We always prove something. I'm ready to be wrong. <laughs> we have proven. Yep. Beyond a shadow of a doubt. Oh, that's okay. That talking about 80s remakes yep. is a lot of fun. <laughs> All right. And the other thing that I think that we've proven <laughs> yes. is that even though we might have seen the originals less time than the newer ones, the originals are more memorable, or at least for me, they are. Yeah, I agree with that, Scott. Very good. You know, this is the first time I think we had a guest help us prove something. Yeah. Uh, And with that, we'll say we'll talk to you next time on The 80s. See ya. See ya.